Hi, and welcome to Boom, It's on the Blockchain. I'm here today with Garrett, who has been traveling around the world. How are you, Garrett? Good, good. Yeah, we. Um, uh, I was down in Belize um, learning and educating, um, you know, some of their uh, some of their people and government, you know, regarding uh, how they could be more similar to El Salvador, how they could, you know, do some things that are uh, maybe similar, but not the not exactly the same. So okay, so we're, we're, you've combed your hair today for the podcast, Garrett. So that's a, <laughs> you obviously learned something down Belize. But let's go back to the start. Tell us about traveling to Belize first of all, and where is it, and how do you actually get there, Garrett? Because it's not the easiest place to get to, is it? Uh well, it's it depends on where you come from. It's pretty easy uh, in the U.S. actually, but most airports have do have a direct flight. Um, I had some trouble though, cause I, I wasn't in the U S I was in Mexico it, cause I thought I I'm like, Oh, I want to go down and see Mexico. I thought I could just meander over cause it's right next to Mexico. It's right. It's by Cancun, South of Cancun. And I just figured, I thought, okay, it's going to be no problem to fly in there from Mexico, but there was not very many direct flights. So I, I had to fly down to Guatemala and then I had to fly over to Belize. It was really just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Well, let's say, um, so, so when you went there, what were you actually going for, Garrett? What was the first thing? Why did you turn up to Belize in the first place? Yeah, it, it was, uh, basically the chamber of commerce meeting. So there was a, um, the Belize American chamber of commerce, you know, has an annual trade mission and they, they go down there and, you know, bring, um, you know, people from the U S who, you know, have, uh, or want to learn more about, you know, business opportunities in Belize. And, you know, I would, into one of the greatest opportunities there being the real estate because um, it's very, very similar climate and uh, I would say much more beautiful beaches than uh, than Florida, but for a fraction of the cost. Um, and it's uh, also very untouched. You know, a lot of it is uh, undeveloped. You know, there's miles and miles of coastline that have been undeveloped, um, you know, and I would say that that's one of the greatest strengths there, and not 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 the uh, not just the coast is great. I mean, there is uh, wonderful stuff inland too, uh, which I got the opportunity to see. There, there's the map just now for everyone that looking there. So there's the United States at the top. There's Mexico over there, and there's Belize with a big arrow pointing down to where it is. So, you know, it's right down there in Central America, everybody. But as Garrett says, it's uh, is that the Caribbean? It's uh, going out yes. to? Yes, yep. So it's out to the Caribbean, everybody. So that's for everyone to know a little bit about exactly where Belize is. So so what's the population of Belize then, Garrett? Uh, it is about 430,000 people. 430,000. So... It's, it's not even that big, really. It's like Chula yeah. Vista, where I stay in San Diego, is like you know, nearly 300,000, you know? So it's yeah. Yep. So that's that's spread across the whole country. And, you know, if you look at the population of El Salvador, um, it's, I think, in the millions. You know, they have 
a couple million people that live there. And, um, yeah, they have about six and a half million people that live in El Salvador. So it's a, it's a little bit different, you know, because there was um, many people there trying to, you know, they're trying to get six and a half million people to start using Bitcoin as a currency. And I just don't think that that was, uh, I don't, I don't think that that was a something that's going to be easy to do, um, especially since most of those people are, um, you know, it's lower income communities. It's, it's a little bit different. So, uh, but with, Belize, there's an interesting opportunity in the fact that uh, Western Union dominates the you know money transfer business. So that's their only option to move money around. And you know you're talking about uh, pe- you're talking about people in a country where the the minimum wage is a dollar sixty five an hour. Um, and you know you're expecting people you know if they're sending two hundred dollars to pay twenty dollars. Well, that's you know. 30 hours of work right there. Um, whereas if they, um, you know, there, there might be an opportunity for them to do something. I think Bitcoin's off the table, but I think that there are other things um, such as stable coins that might be beneficial. You know, um, one of the discussions and, you know, education pieces of my travels there was uh, that they, um, uh, you know, just talking about doing a central bank digital currency. So, so, so you spoke to the central bank down there about digital currency. Tell us a bit yep. about the conversation. Yeah, it was it was really you know wonderful and just you know delving into some of the stuff that uh, they they already know about the fact that some of them were already um, primed on the topic. You know that it's gotten into their minds a little bit as a potential solution, a potential way that they could solve, uh, you know, some of the problems. But it is one thing that was kind of reiterated was the fact that it is difficult to um, get away from Western Union, because that's what a lot of people are comfortable with. But in the rest of the world, in the developed world, it is going away. Yeah, and I know for people using cash, Western Union's the one. But obviously, the commission rates of Western Union are so high. So where if you think of, and that's why a, a sort of stable coin, you know, yep. initially we were talking about oil coin was the original concept that Dan had written the white paper for back in like 2017, 18, was essentially having one underlying coin for the industry that essentially saves money on international transaction fees and right. saves money in banking fees. Garrett's talking about Belize here, whereby this is where a digital currency, where it would be a stable coin, would it be benchmarked against the dollar to begin with, rather than just float about itself? How you know something like yeah, Tempra? that's yeah, it would have to be a stable coin because it's I just don't see a way where it's beneficial. Like uh, the El Salvador model was firing from the hip. I just don't think it was um, being the best advocate of the people. Um, because, you know, there were many people that were accepting Bitcoin and then it just loses 75% of its value and, you know, they're, they're left. Because I, I, I think Bitcoin's like investing in gold for people out there. It's a commodity rather than yeah, using I think it it's ris- way riskier than gold. Yeah, so well, it's... Until uh, we go into the Federal Reserve and we find there's no gold there apart from big IOU unit and then yeah. wait a minute. 
if there's no gold there and we've based all our currency on this, is the government just made the whole thing up and keeps printing currency to drive inflation well, up? That's actually or the argument of a lot of people <laughs> that say uh, they think gold is worth a lot more than the chart says because if it's a that's big shiny, true, it's a big shiny rock that we don't use for yeah, anything else, you know? If that was... So, uh, if that was true, you know, basically, uh, you know, we would we would have a little bit, you know, a different situation because the supply of gold would be a lot less than people think. Um, you know, in Belize, one of the interesting things is, is uh, you know, they could approach, you know, they could do a central bank digital currency, then approach it from the aspect of backing it with their with their land. You know, they have a lot of really great land. Um, like I was saying earlier, you have. It's the Probably. project we were working on with Cool Cash and uh, yeah. uh, McAfee. Yeah, and that's interesting. Yeah, because uh, it's it's interesting because yeah, do they they have the ability to make liquid some of this uh, currency with their with their land? You know, there's a lot of land and it hasn't been developed. It's arguably, uh, I would say, some of the best beachfront property that you're going to find in North America. Uh, it's like Florida was probably 50 years ago. And it would be better if you let's bring back up the map again, you know, because yeah. let's, let's remember that Florida was basically on a swamp. That's why the alligators live there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. This is like so, proper beachfront property people. This is like is. Real and there's deal. mountains too. Yeah. There's a, I didn't know this, but this time I got to, I got the chance to drive further into Belize and there are there's actually mountains it's not like florida florida's flat and uh it is you know, swampy like you swampy know. whereas belize is uh you know the coastline is flat there's islands but cancun there is also is basically it's just basically like cancun just there isn't it cancun's just yeah, above it that's correct it's it's um still at that tropical level um cancun is nearby and um it's uh you know that there's some real opportunity in um you know investing in this real estate or them being able to do something with with the real estate you know in the in the backing of a digital currency or potentially um one thing to factor in is that if they were to bring investment into the country, if they were to bring investment into the country and let's say they declared maybe a small list of stable coins, legal tender, such as, you know, USDC, uh, maybe USDT is an option. I'm not sure, but USDC seems like a safe bet and, um, or die, you know, just picking a couple stable or create coins. Their own one, basically. Yeah. I, I think that, um, their central bank could sort of run it because it, you yeah. know, what's the difference between their central bank creating their own digital currency and benchmark it against the dollar than using their own currency now, which is essentially pegged against the dollar? What's the well, yeah, that's it's, it's an interesting thing. And I would say that the reasoning is here's my reasoning. And, and you know, I had I had to think about this a little bit. But if you're starting a stable coin and, you, you know, you need the liquidity, the biggest the biggest part is having something that's global and you have a bunch of other players making it liquid and market making for it and it allows your people to use a currency that you know goes all these different places and is accepted and i think if they're already using the dollar you know it makes sense to um 
you know, they're, they're talking about doing a CBDC themselves and they're being fed uh, kind of this narrative, you know, which makes sense from, you know, FIS, you know, which is a big vendor for a um, uh, CBDC, you know, software. But the problem is, is that is it goes against, um, you know, making something really truly accessible internationally and i think it would make more sense if they you know the, the goal of any country small country company anything is to make money and have your money be liquid and tradable and i think if they followed the model el salvador had where it's like hey el salvador said hey let's do bitcoin as legal tender we want to bring bitcoin into el salvador if instead they took the approach well that's just too risky to just say okay bitcoin's legal tender if they did something like and said stable coins or just maybe a list or, you know, partnered with a single stable coin, I think that has legs because, you know, if you go on coin market cap, I think USD Tether is like $60 billion. USD coin is, um, I think, up there as well, $60 billion. And by just simply saying like, oh, okay, we take that now. That's huge. And it's... uh I'm not sure what the market capitalization is for Western Union. Um, but but Western Union is a money transfer. It's just a case of we are transferring your cash from one area to the other. Yeah. The only difference is that we are taking our percentage. Whereby yeah. if you use something like this, suddenly you're knocking out the percentages with it. Yeah, and you're knocking lot, out and the percentages. You take yeah. control of it. You know, it's yeah. Western it's Western Union. It's interesting as a company. You know, obviously they're just playing a middleman. Um, it's a five and a half billion dollar market cap. So we're already looking at something that, um, in all honesty, it's nowhere as big. Um, you could almost argue that it's dying a little bit. But um, with USDC, I know for a fact the country of Bermuda has partnered with them to domicile some elements of their backing out of the, the uh, island nation of Bermuda. And it's interesting for these Caribbean uh, community nations to just start thinking about it, to start thinking about, well, these are the already adopted standards. Um, and potentially, instead of creating our own, what we could do is, you know, we could hold treasury in um, some of the already existing standards. And that that's it's a really good thing for um, these these countries because they're bringing in capital and it's capital. It's going to be liquid. They're going to be able to say, hey, we're selling this land and then we're taking, you know, the digital dollars for it. And uh, it, it's extremely beneficial. And then if there was some appetite for risk, maybe it would make sense to hold a balance sheet in Bitcoin, you know, but with the proper education. But I think. Um, I think it, using conventional stable coins, there is um, there's it, some. It doesn't change for everyday items of goods. That's the problem when yeah. Bitcoin fluctuates too much. It's just a case of, you know, because it's fluctuating up and down so much, you know, what's the difference between using Bitcoin for everyday currency exchanges rather than using some currency that moves all around? You think of Lebanon right now; they've had to close the banks. You know. Mm -hmm. So their banks are closed right now. If you've got money in the Lebanese banks, you can't get them out. There's apparently there's a woman over there. She's a heroine right now because she went in. Her sister was essentially, she needed cancer treatment. 
And she yeah. had to go in and basically rob the bank for $13,000, which was her sister's own money, yep. to get the money out. So if you can actually Google that just now. And uh, the funny thing is she held them up with a toy gun. But she had to rob her own bank to get her own money out because essentially the banking system in their country has completely collapsed. So, wow. And I we were I... talking about inflation that's happening there. That's why they don't want to be keeping it in the, the, you know, the Lebanese national currency. So and going forward, there's other places in the world. So you know, what Gannett's saying right now is you know, we're essentially they're using the US dollar anyway. It's just using a digital version of the US dollar. But for the people that live there, they'll be able to hold it. They'll be able to pay for goods for it. They'll be able to transfer the money. And if you're making $1.65 an hour, and every single time you go to actually transfer any money with Western Union, those guys are taking 10% of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a big chunk of your wages that are just essentially going straight into Western Union's pocket. Now, because we just think of it in money, oh, well, it's not that money. Money is only $200. You know, what's that mean to this? But yep. you're, if you're thinking $20, $165 a day, as Garrett said, it's like suddenly that's half your week's work just in their fee. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense. You know, in the U.S., it's, I mean, you know, people get it. They go, they have choice. You know, they have choice to go do a plethora of other things and take and take and exchange money in, in many different ways. Um, even, you know, even if you step over to, uh, let's say, Mexico or Brazil or, you know, any of those other larger countries in Latin America, people have the opportunity to choose, you know, whereas in Belize, you know, Western Union sees this, they see, oh, we have an opportunity to come in and monopolize and uh, essentially impose just these usury rates onto to people that can't afford it. And um, it's time for, um, I would say, a, a competitive solution to come in. And um, I think education combined with that competitive solution can allow people to to flourish and, um, you know, be able to transmit money with without, you know, having to pay a tenth of or more of what it's worth. Yeah. And while I live in San Diego, there's a lot of Western unions here because a yep. lot of people still transfer their money back to Mexico. They're using Western Union. Plus, yep. there's a lot of immigration here as well. So there's still a, a big cash economy. So people are there. They're the, you know, they, they basically take your money. They can, you know, do that early day cashing of your checks. Again, they take big percentages. So what's going to happen and the beauty of essentially digitizing the dollar, digitizing currencies, is these people who are essentially squeezing the people who are at the lower end of society in terms of their understanding of finance, essentially they're getting paid. And then these are the people that are paying the highest finance charges. Yeah, you know, the, the guys who are the wealthiest know how to play the system. So they avoid the high finance charges. It's the yep. people who are living week to week, day to day. They're getting the cash in. They're getting paid in cash. Sometimes they're getting paid a check, but then they're having to cash that check and they can't cash it in a bank. So you have to go to one of these, you know, we'll cash your checks. But mm -hmm. to cash the check, we're going to charge you 8%. It's like, eh, I'm going to charge you 9%. And then you pay your 8% to cash the check. And then you go yeah. next to the Western Union and they take another 8 9%. 
So suddenly it's like you're you're losing 15, 16, 17, sometimes even 18% of your money just to access the money that you've earned, which is crazy. It's it is. It's indeed very, very crazy. And um it's uh something you know we could hope um you know that no one will help with. Yeah, technology can come in there and uh be the harbinger of change. Uh that's what we could hope for. It's all we can hope for, really. Um, so, so we've got a guest in the background there. Will we try and bring him in? I, I know he's not got his picture up, but let's just see if we sure. can bring Michael in. Here we go. Hello, Hi, Michael. Gentlemen. Hey. How are you? I apologize. I'm actually on a flight and we just landed. So I apologize. <laughs> you guys, I've been listening and you guys are doing an exceptional job. You don't hey, even thank need you. me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just so everybody knows, this is uh, Michael Young. He is uh, the the head of the Belize American Chamber of Commerce, and he was the one that brought me down and got me a lot of these awesome uh, engagements. And, um, you know, I, we look forward to doing it again in the future. But, yeah, we're just out here raising awareness and, uh, you know, making sure people understand uh, the opportunity that's there. <laughs> there yeah, he is. Um yeah so I'm, I'm on the flight where we're about we're about we're actually just landed in belize and we're we're headed uh we're, we're getting off the flight now so mr alistair it's very um very <laughs> nice to, to meet you thank you for having yeah, me yeah no no problem at all michael we, yeah. and i'm whispering because i don't want to bother these nice people uh, you know all these <laughs> beautiful souls on the flight but um it is it, a it's a second honor and pleasure to have had Mr. Willie Pete join us on our annual <laughs> trade mission to Belize. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's uh it's good and um you know we um we're glad to have you just pop in, Michael, so people know, you know, anybody out there that's looking to, you know, do business or get involved buying land or maybe some other you know, there are big names that sometimes listen to these podcasts on LinkedIn, Twitter and whatnot. And uh, the the more awareness there is for people and the more people understand that, hey, there's this opportunity to come work with a, a young country that has been around only for 41 years and uh, a country that wants to change and develop and grow. Uh, it's huge. So yeah, we want those people to know that they can reach out to to Michael, and we want them to know that uh, they can, you know, get involved. Yeah, and um, thank you, Will. And um, again, Mr. Alistair, it's great to be on your platform. But for example, the governor of the central bank, the one of the highest um, regulatory bodies, federal regulatory bodies, I believe, he's in his early forties right so young guy and but but he's been with the central bank for over 15 plus years um i know him personally went to high school with him in uh, junior college brilliant guy very versed and he is pro uh you know belize is a, a cash-based economy right you still operate with a lot of cash and you know with a cash-based economy that leaves a lot of room for you know money laundering and so forth so they but the head of the federal regulators down here are of the opinion they want to transition the country or the economy into more of a digital um currency type so at the head 
you know, the will is there from the government standpoint. So, you know, uh, we just want to be good participators, good players, uh, stakeholders, and help however we can from a collaborative standpoint, playing well in the sandbox. So when we have someone like Willie Pete joining us, you know, it was it was great. Um, the central bank said, yes, you know, we have a sit down. And then we also had the other regulatory body, which is the Financial Services Commission, the FSC. You guys can Google that. Um, and the securities laws for Belize just, just became enacted in January of this year. So um, we're at the cusp, you know, uh, at the beginning. So participation is very, very, very good. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and that was uh, definitely a, a good conversation we had with them, you know, regarding, um, you know, because the U.S. tries to kind of, you know, when it comes to securities laws and, and whatnot, they try to fit a uh, kind of a round peg in a square hole and they try to say, oh, okay, no, you're going to deal with these laws that are 90 years old. That's what you're dealing with. And we're not going to make new ones. Um, and that's problematic for the entire industry, but it was helpful when we, uh, you know, we got to kind of ask questions and put it out there, you know, what was the, the purpose of those laws and, you know, do they apply to, you know, these digital currencies? And I appreciated that there was, you know, there was an honest answer put forth and it's in it, the answer was no, that these laws really aren't, you know, they don't say anything about digital currencies and we need to tackle that separately, which I think is, um, that it's a level of honesty that I, I appreciate a lot. Um, you know, not to say that that doesn't present its, its own set of issues, but um, it is nice that they're willing to look at it as its own separate um, box, as, as opposed to how the U.S. has kind of, to date, I'm not saying that they won't in the future make, you know, a, a set of uh, rules just for crypto or just for the way things work. But they, um, you know, one of the best examples recently is how, you know, I think uh, Ethereum, somebody came out and they, I think it was the CFTC said it was a commodity. And they said Bitcoin's a commodity, Ethereum's a commodity, it's settled. Now they're trying to come on the, uh, from another agency, they're trying to come from the SEC and Gary Gensler, mind you, I took his course, I took his course, his MIT course online when they did it a couple of years ago. And he did in the course, say oh yeah no we've already decided to see it's under the jurisdiction of the cftc it's it's a uh it's a commodity but now they're trying to say okay well, they change it to proof of stake with the merge it might be a security you know we're going to change it we're going to regulate it which is like you know first off it's not you know if the ethereum foundation vitalik's canadian so he's canadian first off and then next he is uh the whole foundation, which is a nonprofit, is based out of Zurich, Switzerland. So um, it's kind of interesting to just see them flip flop and just not be willing to come out and work to create a set of rules that's conducive to America leading leading the pack with uh, blockchain. Yeah, because Ethereum's actually both. That's the that's the thing that people don't understand about a lot of these crypto. You know, how can it be a commodity? And it's also a technology, yeah. you know, so everybody's using this Ethereum 
to essentially run nearly all the NFTs, all the technology, all the blockchain technology, you know, the majority of it's backed on Ethereum, where therefore it's similar to like a technology like the internet. Yeah. It's a, it's a new iteration of internet. But on the flip side, because you can buy and sell this thing and it goes up and down in price, it's also a commodity. And it's both. Yeah. And as, as Garrett says, you, you can't just suddenly say it's one or the other because, you know, of the 10,000 crypto tokens out there, yep. the, the most of them are going to be securities. And when they come down to it, because they're not doing anything, it's just a case that this is a value of something. A lot of them are going up and down in price. A lot of these crypto tokens are going to be end up getting done as securities and being put down as security tokens rather than cryptocurrencies. And you've got Binance and all these guys not wanting to list security tokens. And then there's this gray area of what's a security token and what's a cryptocurrency. But yeah, what you're think, finding with Ethereum is yeah. because it's the leader of the pack and alongside Bitcoin, they, they're more than one thing. And that's what's confusing to a lot of the regulators. Yeah, yeah. It's um, Well, the, the problem even with the uh, like just saying that, oh, you know, putting everything in the basket because America can go ahead and do that. You know, they can go ahead and be like, oh, okay, it's all securities. But all that will do that is that's the same as Cuba saying to people, oh, you know, we're communist. You can't sell a newspaper. You can't make a living. You need to ask Fidel, you know, and but people sell stuff anyways. You know, they sell stuff all over. They're going to do it anyways. And they're going to import stuff to fix their cars. They're going to sell bananas. They're going to do whatever they need to do to make a living. So it's interesting in Cuba, it's like any type of capitalism is illegal, <laughs> but everybody just does it anyways. And that's the all the U.S. is going to do is um, become a financial Cuba. If, um, you know, I think China's China's done a little bit of it by banning crypto outright. But if, if they just say, oh, OK, everything's a. Uh, a security or whatever it's 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 no different than any other thing they've done like making marijuana illegal okay everybody smokes marijuana still for years and they eventually just had to legalize it you know and there's so many other things where it's like well it's different when there was like you know for uh, up until the advent of the internet they could play gatekeeper and kind of um you know, they, they could play gatekeeper to some of these markets and mercantile exchanges but now it's gotten to the point where you need a whole new set of laws. You need to make new laws that um, at least, you know, it's up front with people and it's saying like, okay, maybe it's a new class of security or maybe it's a new uh, something like that. And uh, I think that's the way to approach it. And that was the level of um, kind of understanding that I got in Belize is like, well, they understand, okay, a security is a security and then that's, you know what it is. It's uh, and it's, it's interesting what, it what Michael's saying about it being like a cash economy. That's yeah. so many countries. They're cash Absolutely. economies. It's just like yeah. because their banking systems, they're not robust. They can't yeah. be trusted. You know, that's yep. the problem. It was like because we do the website Rebuilding Iraq and the joke there is if you went and put $50,000 into the Iraqi bank and went back the next day, you know, the Iraq bank managers left with your $50,000. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's... And then that's the problem with Belize as well. It's like, you're yep. safer off keeping your money rolled up in a sock hidden in your wall than you are in your local bank. Because look what's happening in Lebanon right now. 
you know, well, you put your money in the bank, you've gone to get the money at the bank, the bank's not there. Mind you, here's the interesting thing, though, is, is it's actually not like that because it's not quite to that level because Belize is a former British colony. They still print the queen on their money and they still have lifelines to, you know, Great Britain and the U.S. that back some pretty big credit unions. You know, Holy Redeemer Credit Union, for instance, in Belize is, you know, a $630 million credit union. And, um, you know, how do they get to that point? Well, it's like, you know, they have figures like Lord Ashcroft spends a lot of time in Belize. You know, there are, you know, there are British folks, you know, British royalty, you know, dukes and lords that go and spend time in Belize and they set up, you know, financial institutions, um, you know, to pad their own personal interests. But, um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, uh, they, they print the queen and all their money. They were, um, they're, they're not like, well, not quite yet like Barbados, Barbados, um, completely cut the cord from the British, but I think Belize is a little bit, um, reliant to some level on the British military defending them against Guatemala. Um, and then the U S you know, we're kind of just there. Um, you know, we, we help on some level to, you know, keep the country safe from, um, other forces, you know, that's a whole nother topic there, but I, I did, get the chance to visit with some people from the embassy, you know, regarding, you know, Hey, what do you guys do here? And, um, it's interesting, uh, our presence, but the British presence is, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting, very, very interesting. So. Yeah. Look, there's some of the money. There's the queen right there. Look at that. Got it. <laughs> what we're going to do. Well, that was, that's, that's so interesting. That I didn't even know the queen was on that money. Yep. So they, there she is there the back queen. in her heyday. But we're going to do a little section tune the cut about <laughs> the Queen as well, you know. So we'll bring that in. So that's interesting. But nice to see her back when she was, you know, in her heyday there. I like the money as well. It's always interesting. Look, there's the central. So what? how much is a Belize $2 worth? That is $1. That's one US. So it's pegged to the US dollar at a fixed peg. Um, the only other country that does a fixed peg to the US dollar is Barbados. That means that you couldn't, you couldn't come and trade BZD against the dollar or anything else. There's no foreign exchange. So it's just fixed peg to the dollar. And that means you can go down and I could take a $20 bill and buy things in Belize and I get change two to one in uh, their local currency. And uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a very interesting way to do things because you have the queen the British queen on uh, money that's pegged to the U S dollar. And meanwhile, the country itself has been independent since, um, uh, 1982 or 1981, I think. And, uh, you know, they've had their independence for quite some time now. Um, but the, the British definitely, um, still have their tentacles there. It's the, you know, it, it used to be known before it was Belize, it was called British Honduras. And, uh, you know, the British came there, they, they got the mahogany for their ships and their beautiful, uh, you know, furniture and whatnot. And, uh, that, that was Belize was actually one of the reasons they, you know, they had all that, uh, some of the best wood for their ships, their naval fleets. And, uh, they were able to keep, you know, a, a solid fleet of ships, you know, thanks to that, uh, 
to that wood. Yeah, I'm just looking at the old flag of them as well. The British flag <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. British Honduras, you know. So 19, so having a look at the time there, so it was from 1862 um, to 1981. Yes. Yep. So that, that was uh, when it was British Honduras. So amazing to think that that, that all part of the old Commonwealth, you know. The oh, British yeah. Colony, yep. East coast of Central America, south of Mexico. Yep. And the, the Queen used to go there and she'd visit every once in a while. I think the last time was just a couple of years ago, but they, um, it's one of the former colonies that is a little bit more, um, hesitant to completely leave behind the British, I think, because, uh, if you look up, you know, the, the di land dispute, Guatemala claims that they shouldn't have made Belize its own country. They should have given it just back to Guatemala. But if, uh, you know, from my experience, just flying through Guatemala, um, you know, just to connect a flight, uh, it's a very different country. You know, Belize would never sink back into Guatemala. It's a completely, two completely different countries. Belize is um, more akin to a Caribbean island than it is Latin America. Um, so it, it's the, I would I say, the, yep, one so standout country. So, so let's just move on to chewing the cud just now. Oh, yeah. We're doing the chewing the cud this week. There it is. We'll just bring up the title. Switch it to Queen Elizabeth from 1926 to 2022. And this is great, Garrett. Let's bring in her visiting Belize right now. Look at that. There she is. Yep, there she is. That looks about right. <laughs> so that's her there as well. Obviously, that was back when Orange was in. <laughs> yep. The old Orange Tango. She actually looks like she's broken her wrist there. I wasn't aware of that information. See that, Garrett, you know? Maybe. So, yeah. yeah look, there, there, she's broken her wrist there. Well, it's like some it, sort of cast. It could, it, no, sometimes, though, you'll see in those, like, they'll tuck Even their hand in. A quick slap over the head, basically. No, they, yeah. sometimes it might be something to do, like, a royalty thing, because sometimes they'll, like, you'll see those guys, like, tuck their hand in their shirt in the portraits and stuff, though. They no, got weird. Got a cast on there. I think she's got a cast. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. They, so there as well. They've got Crazy. the old swords in that as well. So, you know, that's amazing. So I've learned a lot about Belize just speaking to you today. And it's just like, and then think that was an old British colony. So so there was the queen itself. So let's have a look. What Let's bring some other stuff up to the queen as well. So, you know, this week, this was in the UK radio times. This was the, you know, back before you had um, the internet, used to get this magazine that was delivered to your house and it would tell you what's on TV for a couple of weeks. It was called the Radio Times. And so they've got a website anyway. So they said 37.5 million people in the UK watched the Queen's funeral, which is essentially basically over three quarters of the population. Yeah. Four billion people worldwide. So apparently it was the most watched event in history the queen's funeral itself so that's the impact that she's had on the world let's bring in some other pictures of her there there's a great picture of her this is how i'll always remember the queen you know little smile yeah. i think the, the good thing about the queen is you know and i'm not really a royal royalist you know i'm always always for scottish independence but because of what's happened and she passed away always like the queen anyway out of all the royals but she's sort of independent so seeing all these different prime ministers, she doesn't go one way or the other. You know, look at all the presidents that have come over. You know, Trump loved her, Obama loved her, 
Biden loved her. They all sort of loved the Queen because the Queen's sort of impartial in terms of politics and people like that, you know, and they might think, oh, well, you know, what about the colony and all that? But yeah. let's be realistic. It's, it's been a while since the monarchy actually ruled the, the UK. You know, you're going back probably 150, 200 years. So it was more of a figurehead role recently rather than she's telling people from Buckingham Palace what to do. You know, that's what it oh, is. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I like to say I was saying to some friends that, uh, you know, King Charles, his job is like, a 7-Eleven clerk compared to what Biden does. Like, I mean, it, yeah, that says something right there. Yeah, you know? a well-paid 7-Eleven <laughs> clerk, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, a very well-paid 7-Eleven clerk. That's, and he owns a lot of land. But, he, yeah, makes, exactly. he makes Joe Biden look like a rocket scientist. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't know about that because you saw some of his recent comments and stuff, you know. Maybe oh, Joe yeah. Biden 15 years ago. So it's yeah. um, when he sort of had all his marbles. But, yeah. you know. It, but it just goes to show you. So, you know, the queen comes in, she's impartial, people like her. There's a lot of people, royalists. There's a lot of people sort of anti-monarchy, you know, especially got all these sort of woke professors here bashing yep. the queen on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, the thing about these woke professors, they're the absolute worst. They've got to understand that if you're a student right now, okay, and you want to do a revolution, the revolution is sitting right in front of you. You're going to this university costing you 50,000 a year minimum that person's an educator in front of you they've got a job for life and they're making yep. quarter of a million a year who makes yep. quarter of a million a year if you're not actually creating anything that makes money and they wonder yep. why the education system in america is going down the toilet and all these kids are coming in so much debt but the same professors who've got a job for life in america can come online and just bash the queen you know you know, I'm not happy about that anymore. You know, I've worn my blue tie to match the Queen today as well. Look at that, you know. So Very even nice. though I'm not a royalist, I like the Queen. And I watched the funeral and thought it was great. So here's a few images that I've brought from the funeral for everyone else to see. Look. There, there's there's new King Charles III. You know, and that's wow. them all bringing the Queen that's in there. This is our last sort of, you know, march on there as well. That's the Lion Rampant from Scotland. That flag that you see at the front as well. So there was, she was obviously monarch of the, you know, all the different countries in the British Isles, but also across the Commonwealth itself. Let's bring in the next one. This is them all walking behind the, the, the hearse when they were actually doing their sort of march from Buckingham Palace. And look, look, this is them all here. There's Prince Harry. He doesn't get to wear the special uniform because he's actually left the royal family even though he's sneaking back in because he's actually, he's not good at anything else. You know what I mean? He's famous because he's in the royal family. It's a bit like that Meghan Markle. You know, do people, did anyone actually watch that Suits show anyway? You know what I mean? You yeah. might watch the first few episodes, but she was like the fifth character in it. And nobody cared about her now. And now suddenly she's the world beater and she's famous for bashing the royal family and, you know, the Americans like it. But in Britain, they don't particularly like it. Anyway, he left the royal family, doesn't get to wear the military uniform for this, but he still gets to wear his medals, you know? And look, Prince Charles has got... I don't actually remember him going to war at all. Prince Harry did, you know, he was in the military for a number of years, probably yep. deserves his medals. But Prince Charles has got quite a large amount of medals here. You know, I can't remember him going to war. There's Princess Anne. She, You know, I like Princess Anne. She's probably my favourite one of the royals. She's got a few medals there. 
But I was actually noticing, you know, future King Prince Will's a bit light on the medals there. You know, he's only got three medals. What's yeah. going on? Like this guy at the back, he's got like loads of medals. You know what I mean? He's probably a real war hero. But, you know, a bit light. Prince Will's needs to get the old medal table up there anyway if he wants to start to be the future king. But maybe once he becomes king, he gets a few extra medals anyway. Maybe take some of Prince Harry because you've left the royal family and now you work for Spotify, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for your podcast where, where he complains about the royal family because there's nothing else you do that's interesting. So anyway, I'm, that, that's a bit unfair, but, you know, that's about it. So there's the Queen. Let's bring it up one last time. There's there's Prince Lee. He's got always got a funny look in his face, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... um. He's not, we're not going to like him the same. That should we? be the that should be the mug that they play they they uh, put on the new currency. They should put that. I, I don't that think Belize, like look. Let's go back to the Belize dollar. Well, there's the queen. Looks yep. great, you know. There was her yep. in her heyday, looking very very royal. Oh, there there she is. There, even with smile, older age, still looks great. Let's bring in Charlie again. Where, where was he? There, you know what I mean. Is, <laughs> Do we do the Belize government, <laughs> Michael? <laughs> can we bring Michael back in? Do you think the guy that's running the the bank, central banking system well, in Belize, it's, got the it's funny. currency? I I actually asked them, and I was like, "Hey, I, are you guys planning to put King Charles on there?" And they're like, "Yeah, maybe in a new series we will." <laughs> <laughs> Keep the clean guys. My, Michael the just sent me a photo of. Uh, the queen he actually just sent me a photo i'm waiting for him to say what it's of i think it might be one of his family members meeting the queen all right pop it up pop it up so we can see that there as well so that's absolutely brilliant you know so anyway charlie i, I just don't think it's going to be looking good in the notes you know what i mean so it's like all the coins you know we like the queen i think we should just keep the queen let's just keep her everybody likes her you know and it's just like keeps your money you know, if we put Charles on the back of all the currency, what's going to happen then? Let's see. Look. Yeah. So this is a, a picture here, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm not sure who that is. I'd have to close out uh, my other ones, but um, yeah. It's Michael's family members meeting the Queen. Yeah. Yep. That's absolutely brilliant. You know. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me see here. Um, that's his grandparents. Mr. and Miss Horace Young meeting the Queen. So I said, my, my mother's met the Queen twice, you know. So wow. she got an OBE, Order of the British Empire, and CBE, Commander of the British Empire. So if my mother's watching this, she got to meet the Queen twice as well for services to sport. So there you go. Anyway, you know, rest in peace, the Queen. We all loved you. You know, Americans loved you. She she generated a lot of money to the UK. I know people complain about giving them money, but, you know, the bottom line is the royal family are bringing in about $3 billion a year to the economy, which isn't a bad one, you know, yeah. so it's, it's worth keeping. You've got Gavin Newsom. He's basically using every single last drop of water for almond farming in uh, California to send these California almonds out to China as a delicacy. So we've all got a drought here, but it brings in $4.5 billion dollars Maybe not might as much as the Queen, but essentially we all have a drought and have no access to water just so Gavin looks good, you know, to export yeah. almonds there. A lot of people will be thinking, is that true? Yeah, just Google it, you know. So wow. and if I'm a farmer, I want to be basically almond farming because you make more money doing that than anything else. 
and they've got first dibs and all the water in the uh, the state. So if it, you know these big forest fires, there's happening uh, lack of access to water. The almond trees are fed water all the time. So Gavin Newsom, you know, we want you to basically say to China, listen, you can get your almonds from somewhere else, like Spain. <laughs> you know, they make they make Spanish almonds, but they're just not as good as the California almonds. And it's a delicacy in China. Ninety over ninety yeah. percent of almonds now are exported from California, majority Incredible. to China. So there we go. That's America once again. We're not only exporting our almonds, we're just using up our water so rich Chinese people can have almonds sitting on their dinner table when they watch President Xi doing his speeches, you know? So, wow. so that's a little bit, a little snippet of information that Gavin Newsom tries to keep out the news, you know? So anyway, that was absolutely great. So it was great for Michael to come in there, especially if he's on a flight popping in. We should definitely get him back on the show. Oh, um, yeah, he's uh, definitely interested. Oh, and then keep pushing the Belize angle. It's just especially the idea of the, the tokenized asset distributions where we could tokenize the land, provide distributions to the people. This is a way for the people to get their form of UBI from this. You know, that's what we worked on originally with Cocash. We can maybe get Cocash to come in to speak a bit more about that pro um, project as well. That would be interesting. But oh, that's yeah. great then, Garrett. Glad gra you're back in the country and you've made it safely on your trips uh, down into Central America. Yep. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And I look, I look forward to seeing the ways, you know, we can use this technology to help their, uh, help their nation grow. Okay. Thanks again then, Garrett. Thank you, Michael. Thanks to everyone who's joined us today. You've been watching Boom It's on the Blockchain. My name is Alistair yep. Kaithness. Have a nice day.